Imagine being in Thessalonica, that Greek Roman province in AD 52, when the Apostle Paul was writing them a letter to talk to them about basic issues they were facing as a church and they were facing as people. They had heard from people who had literally and physically seen Jesus. And that testimony, just as Billy Graham just shared, had spread throughout all of the regions. And that church had been founded. And they, they believed the truths that they had heard. They believed like what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, that this is our solid, single message, that Jesus Christ lived, that he was crucified, that he was buried. And on the third day, he rose. He is alive. He is risen. They believe that. But things had happened in those five decades that made it difficult the same way it sometimes makes our faith difficult for us, even in the 21st century. They had had struggles within the church. They had conflict within the government. They had conflict specifically and uniquely to them as believers in Christ. And those personal times and difficulties, job loss, disillusionment about different things that take place. But maybe one of the things that hurt the church of Thessalonica so much and, and made it a difficult moment for them is they knew Jesus was coming back. They knew that in the same way he had come the first time to demonstrate his love so that anyone who ever believed would be able to believe and know that they have eternal life. They knew he was coming back. And they lived with the same expectation, the same anticipation we do today. They lived waiting for that moment. But in the interim period of time, they had seen loved ones get sick. They had seen loved ones have accidents. They had attended their customs and rituals according to their culture to say goodbye to people that they thought would be able to see Jesus come back. They had believed in the resurrection. They had believed in the power of the resurrection. There's, there's no doubt. They're not losing faith. They're not, they're not lacking a concern. They believe with all their heart Jesus is alive, but he hasn't come back. And my grandmother or my grandfather, my sister or my brother, my wife, my child, lost their life in this interim period of time. And where is Jesus? And where is my hope? How does the resurrection work in my life? when we lose people and we're separated from them. And so Paul, as he wrote this church he so deeply loved and he so deeply wanted to encourage, begins in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 to simply address that oftentimes painful issue with a great reminder that hope is not gone. Hope is not dead. Hope is resurrection. It is the resurrection of Christ and it is our resurrection and the hope of our resurrection. Hope is always available. He starts that passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 in the 13th verse with a simple statement. We do not want you to be uninformed 
Brothers and sisters, speaking in the context of the Christian family, we do not want you to be uninformed concerning those who are asleep, those who have died, those whose lives were cut short, those whose death has been experienced. We don't want you to be uninformed about them, and we don't want you to grieve like the rest like the rest of the world, the rest of your culture, the rest of your friends, the rest of your coworkers, the rest of your colleagues. We don't want you to grieve like those who have no hope. Because hope's available. They had made decisions just like we make decisions. They had heard about Jesus. They had heard about his resurrection. They had experienced the life-transforming presence of the Spirit of God living in them and through them. But at a graveside, standing outside of a tomb or a mausoleum, coming back days later to the place where they've been buried and, and, and what was all of your life and all of your energy and all of your hope and all of your love is now covered in simple sod. They stood there and grief was real and grief was hard. Sometimes I think people think about us as Christians, and they think, well, they, they don't grieve. They're, they're so, I remember one pastor telling me some, sometimes about believers that sometimes we can be so heavenly minded, we're no earthly good. And I've seen that over my years as a pastor as well. Sometimes we, we put on this big spiritual image that it appears false to the rest of the world. And in those moments, it can be hard. We grieve. Paul's not saying that we don't grieve. Paul's not saying that we somehow put on some kind of spiritual delusion that, it, that, that doesn't acknowledge the pain. I, I remember after my grandfather, who had been very influential in my life, he had, he had taught me most of the things that I love, fishing, pocket knives, and all the things that I cared for, and had been with him on the farms and enjoyed those times. And, and I remember after he passed away, Carrie and I were, were young, a young couple and had our baby in a stroller like many who are here today. And um, in Dallas, what we did in the hot summers was go to the mall and walk in the air conditioning because our little tiny house was getting a, a little closed in for us as a young couple with this new baby. And we just go to the mall and walk. And we're walking through the mall and I see a painting in one of the stores. And it's a, a young man fishing next to a river someplace in the world. To me, it looked like southern Missouri. And behind him, kind of ghosted out in the picture, light and faint. It's going to make me cry even now. Just this older man looking over him. I thought about all those childhood memories, and, and here I am. It's, it's been well over a year since my grandfather's death, since I stood at his graveside, and I read the scripture, and I prayed for our family. I, I had followed those cultures and those rituals, and now I find myself in the middle of a mall, in the middle of Dallas, Texas, weeping like a baby. Didn't work so good on my pride. No, Christians, we suffer and we grieve. But Paul's distinction is we know hope is available. And so we don't grieve like the rest of the world. We don't grieve like those who have no hope. 
And we know that hope is attainable. That's what Easter is about. That's why we celebrate Easter. That's why we got up so early this morning. And that's why we come to a sunrise service and we come to, to another service. And that's why we endure the humidity. And that's why we, we do things differently today. Because we understand hope's not simply available in some philosophical fashion. It is attainable. It is something we can reach in this moment. Paul describes it in verse 14 when he says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, in the same way, through Jesus, God will bring with those, bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Jesus made our hope possible. It's, it's not a matter of me conjuring up better feelings. It's not a matter of me just finding some way to to. Gnaw, you know, and numb and, and annul the pain in some fashion or to pretend that the pain's not there and depend that the sorrow is not there. Every day we as Christians miss our loved ones who have gone ahead of us in the same fashion. But we became Christians because we understand that what could not be accomplished, righteousness could not be accomplished, my sin could not be forgiven, my, the debt that my sin had created could not be paid off. I had found myself in a hopeless situation, as Scripture describes it, knowing that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and knowing that that sin creates death in my life. Death exists because of sin. I knew all this. But I trusted Jesus and I trusted his life. I trusted his death. I trusted the shedding of his blood to cleanse what couldn't be cleaned. To make me whole. And now Paul is saying that same trust applies when we're hurting and when we're grieving. Because hope's possible. Hope is attainable not because I'm going to create it or manufacture it. But because Jesus opened the pathway. So that in the same way, those of my family and those of your family, those of our church family that have gone ahead of us will return with Jesus. Because Jesus made it possible. I can't conquer grief any better than I can conquer sin. I can't conquer the pain of separation any better than I can conquer the difficult and wrong decisions I made that separated me from God. Jesus bridged the gap. Jesus made my forgiveness, my life here possible, but he also made my life outside of here possible and the life of my loved ones. Every day I live with the reality and the knowledge that my grandfather, so huge as a man to me as a boy, so influential in helping me understand how to fish, so influential in helping me understand the simplicity of life, who worked his life day after day after day on an assembly line in downtown St. Louis and, and lived his life simplistically but faithfully, who made sure that I would have a Bible when I was in third grade, that when I got saved in college, that Bible would be available so I could start reading the words of Jesus as a new believer in Christ. That grandfather, while we have been separated all these years, he is alive, and I will see him again. 
because of Jesus. Hope will seem at times elusive. Hope will seem at times difficult and like it's always running from us and hiding from us. But Jesus makes hope possible and attainable. And then listen, listen for a moment to the description of this hope that we anticipate. Paul says, for we say this to you by a word of the Lord. We who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep, those who have died. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. There is no event for most of us quite as satisfying as coming home. Crossing the threshold. I I could be out on the best hunting trip that I've ever had and had the most wonderful time with my best friends and, and be just enjoying it. And the whole time I'm there, I could be saying to myself, I could live here. I want to live here. How do you purchase land here? How do I make this my new home? I can talk like that. Just like any one of you on a vacation or on a business trip to a great place, and you're thinking, this is a great moment. Let's don't let this moment end. But there's just something different about stepping off that plane, out of that runway, into the car that's going to take you home. There's something different about pulling into the driveway and knowing this is where the people I love are. There's something so great about reunions. Even if it's just been a small matter of time, those reunions are so great and so wonderful and so meaningful. And now Paul says, you don't have to grieve like the rest who don't have hope because hope's available. You don't don't have to worry about trying to find hope because Jesus made hope possible. Simply trust him. If you know him already, trust him the way you did in the beginning when you asked for forgiveness of sin and asked to be in a relationship. Now trust him with this real life scenario. And on top of that, look forward to it because the reunion is coming. The day is going to happen when Jesus returns. And when Jesus returns... We won't have an advantage because we're still here. Because we will go up and all those that we love who have been with him all of this time will be with him in that moment. The archangel will cry out. The trumpet of God will sound. The The skies will part and open in some fashion. This will be an event that you will not need your news feed to know is happening. You can't miss it. And we will join them as they've already been in the presence of God forever. We will see family again, grandparents, spouses, children, grandchildren. We will see them again. Jesus will bring them with us and we will be with him. This is a hope that we live looking forward to every day, every moment, knowing that this hope is available. We can all have it. There is no one listening today, either here in this pavilion or on live stream. There's nobody listening today that is outside the hope that God wants to offer. Jesus will forgive 
any and everyone who will simply yield to him, trust him and say, that's Jesus, I believe. And we will live with that anticipation. How many sunrises have we watched come across the horizon? How many sunsets have we watched come across the horizon? And how many of us as Christians have stood there in some of those moments and thought, I wonder what it's going to be like. I wonder what it'll feel like for Jesus to come back. And Jesus is coming back at any moment. We don't know. As I laid in bed last night and was praying about today, I thought to myself, Lord, we put all this effort in, we put all this energy in to celebrate Easter. But hey, if you want to come back tonight, we'll celebrate Easter with you in no humidity. We'll be fine with that. You want to come back tonight? I prayed that prayer a lot when I was in graduate school. Every time we had a Greek or Hebrew test, every time there was a systematic theology test, Lord, this would be a good evening to come back. I knew I should have been eating sausage and biscuits and gravy and playing pool with my buddies. I should have studied, Lord, but I didn't study. If you want to come back, it's not a rescue. We think that way sometimes, or at least I'm carnal enough to think that way sometimes. It's not a rescue. It's a reunion. He's coming back, and everybody we love is coming back with him. Which is why I think one of the most important things about Easter, hope not only is something that's available, it's not only something that you can have, it's open, it's free, it's not only something you just simply look forward to, but hope is applicable. Every one of us is going to move out of here and go somewhere today, somewhere this week. And we have the opportunity to share that hope. Hope is a contagious thing. Paul's summary statement in verse 18 is simply, therefore, encourage one another with these words. We'll have that opportunity. I know it professionally. A lady who's dear to many of us passed away this past week. I spent most of Good Friday dealing with her family and helping them process and get ready for funeral arrangements, which is something I do on a regular basis. Her husband was the agent, deep, the depot agent here in Tomball years, decades ago. He was responsible for the trains coming in and out that Tom Bell got here and, I mean, Tom Ball got here and made it possible to make Tomball an existence, an actual spot on the map. Her husband worked in that train depot. He went to heaven five years ago this April and Friday, early Friday morning, she joined him. We're going to go through the process this week. And we're going to be there. And we're going to say goodbye. And we're going to seek that available hope, that hope that Jesus has made possible. We're going to do that because he hasn't come back. But like I said last night, I'm fine with right now. I'm ready. I've asked him to forgive me, and I know he has. And I've asked him to love me as his child, and I know he has. I'm ready right now. But this week... It'll be my responsibility and it'll be my privilege to encourage her family with these words and these thoughts. Encourage one another. You'll meet somebody this week that hope seems very, very distant and you'll have the opportunity to say to them, let me tell you what I've experienced. This is how Jesus changed my life. 
And quite honestly, in light of this pastor, this, this passage, this is how Jesus changed our future. He's coming back. He's bringing everybody we love with him. And we're going to join them. There is no reunion like the one that is on the horizon for us today. Trust Jesus and share that hope with the people we come in contact.